I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London. In fact, it's uh, it's it's quite warm in summer, really isn't warm, it, Jules? Yeah. Uh, we have a full show because there's so much going on. Obviously, the, the transfer window uh, getting into full swing. We got yes. more facts on Darwin Nunez, Christian Eriksen linked to Manchester United, the Nations League fallout. We yeah. can discuss who stinks more, Italy, <laughs> uh, England, or France. Yeah, you know, right. it's a fair enough. But I want to start at the top of the show with something else. It's something. It's, it's a piece I wrote a while back, um, which did generate quite a bit of buzz because people love arguing about this. But we're in the age of the really big transfer. Like yeah. people want hundred million, hundred fifty million, whatever. And I went back and I looked at the top ten transfers by transfer price at each position. So goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, forward. And I asked myself. On a scale of one to five, how likely would you be, knowing what you know now, knowing yeah. how it turned out, how likely would you be to repeat the deal? With, you know, one means absolutely not, never. Five, man, this guy far surpassed expectations. And three means, yeah, it was a really good deal. I'm doing this again. Yeah. What I found, and I want to get your view on this, and we can, you can, you've got the rating in front of you, you can debate this. Some yeah, of them yeah. did cause some debate. I think mostly from people who don't quite understand the criteria. But what I found is that actually, generally, um, goalkeepers and defenders, even when they're really expensive, fewer really bad deals. Midfielders, and especially forwards, all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. that's why I, I concluded reading your... You're a quite fascinating article. I agree with most of the grades. I mean, there's a few that you can always debate on. I think you were harsh on Gareth Bale. I knew that was coming. We're going to discuss that later. That was coming. Um, do you think so? There's, there's the other big thing which we know that all the well, pretty much all the deals over 100 million euros have have been very difficult for those players to um justify in a way mm. the the tag the price tag and for them to do well in those in those clubs apart from Cristiano I guess that you can count almost twice the, the move from right. United to Real Madrid and then Real Madrid to, to Juventus. But you know of course the likes of Paul Pogba and Joe Felix and Neymar and plenty of others uh, Usman Nebele, Coutinho over the hundred million is a struggle. I don't know if he's too heavy to carry maybe I I think there's an element of risk that clubs when you go beyond 100 million you're talking about a transformational superstar player that's what you hope yeah. to be getting right and there's so many more risks to it it's a kind of it's almost like a, a high risk or they think of it as a high risk high reward because yeah. if the guy turns into messi oh look it's high reward i'd pay 100 million for messi the problem is it's high risk and i'm not sure how often it is high reward mm. so um and, and the other thing is there's sometimes risks that are far beyond your control. It could be injuries. Uh, I'll give you an interesting example, right? Uh, or interesting to me. Kylian Mbappe. You know, again, on my rating from one to five, where three means he lived up to expectations, you do it again. Four means he surpassed expectations. So Kylian Mbappe, I went with the transfer mark numbers. You know, we can massage them a little bit because uh, there's bonuses and whatever. But 180 million. Second most expensive player of all time yeah. after Neymar. I gave, I gave that a four. And I gave that a four because he's come, he's played really well, he's retained his value, his stardom has grown, I think, maybe even faster than Paris Saint-Germain had expected. But here's the rub. Paris Saint-Germain nearly lost him for nothing. If yeah. he had signed for Real Madrid, I would have given that deal a two. Because after four years, you, other than 
three years or four years, I guess, of five, of, yeah, of five, five years yeah. of Mbappe. You've got nothing to show with it. You don't have a Champions League. You, if anything, you've got the idea that you here you have one of the greatest future stars in world football, current and future stars, and you lose them for nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so they're, they're so... People don't evaluate this. And again, we can get into Gareth Bale more. People say, oh, but he had the injuries in the club and the media were mean to him. I'm like, yeah, but that's what happened. And he signed that big contract. But, but these are things that happen. And some of these things are beyond your control. Um, so I, I'm not saying that you should never go and spend a ton of money. But I look at you know which players I gave a five out of five for their deals. And there's only... The only ones are Buffon, yeah. and that was an insane deal back then, but obviously played for the club paid for off, nearly yeah. 20 years and obviously paid off. Manuel Neuer, again, 10 years uh, and counting, tremendous yeah. captain, tremendous servant. Cristiano Ronaldo to Real Madrid, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Nope. I gave five, five out of five to Zidane to Real Madrid. Maybe it should be four now Maybe with hindsight. I, I, I factored too. in the fact that is Zidane then never moves to Real Madrid. He never becomes Real Madrid manager. And, Real, and obviously he won those Champions League titles and was very important. Maybe that shouldn't factor into it. But, um, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of patterns here uh, that we're going to get into on the Gab and Jules podcast. All right, Jules, let's dive into this um, a little bit more. Uh, one thing I should point out is I only looked at players who had been at their team uh, at least two years. So yeah. this excludes, for example, Romelu Lukaku, because obviously it's only been it's only been one season. Um, there's one thing that jumped out at me is I look at defenders, right? So in my in my top ten, you have Kyle Walker, John Stones, Benjamin Mondi, Emmerich Laporte, and Ruben Diaz. You've got yeah. five Manchester City defenders, and okay. Mendy obviously gets one out of five, not anything, for, for many reasons. Yeah. Um, but the others, I all gave them three out of five. And again, three means you lived up to your price. People are saying, oh, Kyle Walker's been exceptional. I mean, yeah. Kyle Walker was the most expensive right back, I think still is the most expensive right back in the world. Yeah. Um, and I was skeptical. I thought they overpaid for Kyle Walker, given his age as well. But no, it was... You hit it out of the park, 100%. But you can't say he far surpassed no, expectations, not. There was right? a lot of mistakes made as well. Um, it is interesting, though, and I wonder... Ruben Diaz, I gave four to five because he was player of the season in, in his first year straight away. And I think that that is fair to say that surpassed expectations. Yeah, completely. It's interesting with defenders. Is, is there a knack for it? Is, is there a lesson here that if, you, if you're 100% on your guy then throw the money at him and he'll perform? Or are defenders helped if you have a good coach because ultimately they move into a structure yeah, and they're easy. They're easier to integrate into structure. I yeah, I think it's maybe easier to settle in if you're a goalkeeper or or a defender, especially in the top team. And I think what helps massively is if you play alongside top players as well. You know, I think, I think, I don't know. We can debate the the, the reason why Harry Maguire is top of your list with one out of five, which is which top of my list is the most expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's the most expensive defenders and, and in the history of the game. And he has a one out of five rating, which I completely agree with you. So he's, he's top of your list. And, and I think if you look at the reasons why you gave him one out of five, is one, because he's not very good. Two, because the team around him was a circus. 
Three, because I don't think he's got the mindset to be able to deal with such a price tag, so much expectations. And I think the mindset is a key on a lot of those players. The ones who didn't do well or don't, or don't do well or who have a very low ratings, Tanguy Ndombele, again, I don't think he has the mindset to be a world-class player and to justify the amount of money that Spurs have paid for him. Nabi Keita, I'm not convinced either. And I think you go down the route of... Mentally, the the one who usually do the, the best, especially on the law of money and things like that, are the strongest, are the one with that drive, are the one with that ambition. Again, Kepa, I don't think Kepa mentally is capable of coping with with the kind of expectations and pressure that top clubs, world-class players have, you know. And you go back to Buffon earlier that you mentioned, or Neuer, I think they're so strong like, you know, in that kind of ambition and drive that I think he also sets them apart from other goalkeepers or other players. I also considered, and I think, I also considered the price, how much how much you're paying for somebody. Um, I have a friend who's in the world of hedge funds, and one of the things they specialize in is, you know, buying distressed assets or undervalued assets. And, and he said, there's no bad asset, there's only bad pricing. So it's a question yeah. of assessing the risk, right? So Harry Maguire is 26 years old, and he costs 87 million. And again, I'm not picking on Maguire, right? And he costs 87 million euros, right? He was the most expensive player in the world. Harry Had Harry Maguire come for 40 million euros at 26, maybe he wouldn't be one out of five. His performances would be exactly course, the same yeah. because he had, he had a tremendous season. You know, a tremendous season. He had a season where he played a lot. Yeah, and then he had a horrendous season this year, and issues with the fans. Maybe he'd be two out of five. Maybe he would be closer to that kind of break-even mark. And for me, when you, what's also interesting about this this list is, at least as far as the defenders are concerned, is there's a pattern here. Other than Van Dyke and Walker, the players who cost a lot of money um, and who lived up to the expectations are all younger players. You know, uh, Delict, I gave him three out of five. And the reason I gave him three out of five is that he hasn't been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been bad either. But he's still 22 years old, right? Yeah. And you spent a ton of money on him. So that means that you can either sell him, get a big chunk of that money back, or you get him and, you, and he grows and so on. So obviously he needs to perform better. But so far, you could say, you know, he's on track. When you arrive at 19, same thing for Jao Felix, right? When you arrive at 19... You're going to be patient. Now, with Joe Felix, I say this is not a deal you do again because three years later, I don't know how far he's mm. progressed. Yeah, you haven't seen any improvement. And you spent $127 yeah. million on him or, 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 or whatever it is. Yeah. They, I find your list fascinating and I think we can go through every player and everybody at home will do the same and we go and say, oh, I would have given two, three, four, five, whatever. Um, the, the thing that I find it hard to incorporate almost is the injuries because Lucas Hernandez he's, he's a good defender mm -hmm. a really good defender he's a World Cup winner and the injuries to, to some extent were not his fault and I think to 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 have your time at a club especially after a club invested so much money on you like, like it is for Lucas 80 million euros is a lot of money with the release clause it's either you pay you don't pay it buy and pay it but for even himself to be hampered by injuries that I are injuries that can happen to anyone, yeah. maybe there's things he could do better and more to avoid the injuries. 
But still, it's, it's the bit where no one can control, really, to a certain extent. But, but, but that's why you have to be, you have to be cold-hearted on this. It's not, if I give Lucas Hernandez two out of five, it doesn't mean that Lucas Hernandez is a bad person or he's been lazy or whatever. It just means, most likely, they don't do this deal again if they know that he's going to be injured for, you know, it's all with the benefit of hindsight, right? Yeah, yeah, It doesn't mean that it wasn't the right deal at the time, although for me, <clears throat> you know, 80 million euros at that age, I think way too much money for, Maybe, for, yeah. for an Maybe. undersized center back, you know, who played who played left back, obviously, uh, for, for France. So I, to me, it's, 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 it's pretty binary there, right? In the end, we look back and you have to consider the injuries. Gareth Bale is the one which, you know, I got such pushback did you? Because more I than Pogba. Pogba, you were mean to him. One out of five, you mean. How? Why, two, what? Two, at least two out of five. Two How? out of five is fair. One out of five means you... I, I think if he had extended his contract, he might have had two out of five, but they got zero. They, they're getting zero. They're losing him for nothing. That's why he got... Yeah, but... Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, there's no... Yeah, but the, the only issue I have with that, and I, I agreed with you for Kylian to a certain extent, but this is not Paul Pogba's fault. So you give him a lower, lower mark or grade, whatever it's called, for something that is not his fault, for almost a mismanagement from Manchester United. I'm not giving him the grade. I'm no, giving no, the yeah, deal the grade. True, but right? it's it's still you know under under his name, and he you know he shows that he but, was. But not that's really... why I think people need to be grown up about it. And, and no, no, you know, I know. When it comes and to that, Bale, it's the same thing, right? People are like, oh look, but he scored the Champions League, blah blah blah. I'm like, yes, yeah, fine. He was at the club for nine years, well, eight years, because one of those years they literally had to pay him money to go away, to go play somewhere else. Um, he missed an enormous amount of starts in that time. Yeah. They gave him an enormous contract, which he didn't live up, live up to, and he left on a free. And he was the most expensive player in the world at the time That's when he true. signed him. That's true. I mean, I don't see how, if you ask them, like, whoa, Real Madrid, would you do this deal again? I don't think they would. And you could say, oh, but La Decima and stuff like that. Yeah, I know, but it's not, and this is the thing we run into, right? It's not like if Gareth Bale, if, if instead of spending all the, the money, which is I mean, something like $350 million over the life of his time there, if instead of spending that money on Gareth Bale, they had spent it on, on, on other people, um, maybe they would have won stuff anyway. Maybe they would have won more. You don't know. They might not have without but, him. But that's what you always look at. Is you always have to look at. Look, I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah, yeah, and the no, fact that I'm there's sure. more deals sure. that go wrong than go right. The difference, I think, and, and this is what we as fans often forget, is... When you, when you make a mistake on a 10 million euro, when you're a top club, because obviously mm. 10 million euros for some clubs is a ton, for others it's very little. You make a mistake on a 10 million euro player, it has a different impact than if you make a mistake on a 100 million Completely. euro player. Completely. And I think there's two reasons, and, and looking at the forwards list, I think it becomes very evident. There's two things that we see that I think lead to bad decisions. One is situations and like Barcelona dominate this list right Griezmann uh, Coutinho Dembele yeah you see a lot of reactive signings right oh we lost Neymar we're sitting on a big pile of cash let's get Coutinho let's you know let's Dembele whatever right that's obviously not good business practice <laughs> not the way to do it no and part of it is you're hampered because people know you have a lot of money yeah but I think that's when you got to show some intestinal fortitude and say, we think this player is worth this much. If we don't get it, we'll walk away and spend our money elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think it's, you're completely right on that. We you know, we discussed it at length before when those did happen that not even 
But even outside the money, they didn't really make sense, to be fair. And I think it was not just a bad judgment in terms of how much we're ready to pay and being bullied into paying those kind of amounts, because that's what they were, they were bullied. But also the fact that how you almost misunderstand what, you, what your team needs at that point. Okay, you lose Neymar, who is a, you know, who played on the left-hand side with Suarez and Messi. And instead of going to get Coutinho and Dembele, who don't play like that. I mean, there were so many other players they could have gone for for less money that could have been far more successful than those two or maybe six you get apart. Maybe you get six or seven of them exactly. for the amount of money you spent on it. And maybe, you know, a couple of them far exceed expectations, a couple of them live up to them, and a couple of them underachieve, but you're still better off. Yeah, completely. I mean, there's also... A, so you talk about Barcelona and how bad how bad some of the deals they've made. I mean, Manchester United are the other club in here that have, I think, the lowest grade for their players. And then Atletico Madrid, which is an interesting one because the two that they have, well, certainly I think the two that they have in this list are Thomas Lemar, big, big failure for 72 million euros, and obviously Joao Felix that, that we mentioned. The thing with Lemar, and we go back to the injuries, and Lemar agreed obviously to go to Atletico. He could have said, no, I don't, I don't think this is for me because they play in such a style that I don't see myself ever adapting to this team. Right. And then we're going to go back to structure that you mentioned a bit earlier. For Lemar to think, I can go to Atletico with that price tag, with that much money invested on me and be a success, I, th- I find it really, really hard to believe that anyone around him or even himself thought, do you know what? I see that, I, I know the way they play, I can see it. And I can, I can thrive in this environment and I can become an amazing player and justify all that money, I, I find really hard to believe. Yeah, and there you get into another factor, which is when we start mentioning deals involving Monaco and Atletico Madrid That's and right. certain people, you know, then you always kind of wonder about these vast amounts of money moving around. And I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But it's yeah, only yeah, yeah, help yeah. me. Remember, Lamar was linked with Liverpool as well. And I think Arsenal, Arsenal too, it was right? very close to Arsenal. And... Those clubs didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And it would be fascinating to know why. Obviously, they may have been justified. I don't know. There's a parallel universe. I think Lamar would have been a very good fit at Arsenal, actually. Yeah, Probably yeah, more so I than Liverpool. So um, and you have to take these things into account, uh, I, I think, as well. The other thing which happens all the time is clubs fall in love with players. Um, but by club, you mean what? Managers or sporting director or sporting directors and coaches. It it does my head in about like you know coaches coming out saying, "Oh, I wanted this player. They didn't get me the guy I wanted." And coaches going to the sporting director, sporting director going to the CEO, saying, "We have to get so and so." Blah blah blah. Not to me, great sporting directors understand that, like almost every player on this list, with the exception of Cristiano Messi, these are fungible players, right? If I don't have him. I get somebody else. Yeah. Right. There, there, there's a moment when you walk away. Yeah. And yet, it's like, and maybe because they're ultimately playing with other people's money, they take these gambles and they convince themselves that the player is essential and the player is necessary. And because we don't have transparency in football, I'll go to somebody who we're going to talk about later on the show who's not on this list Romelu Lukaku. Chelsea had a Champions League winning manager, Thomas Tuchel an experienced Champions League winning manager, he decides to make Lukaku one of the highest paid center forwards in the world last year. Well, it's, not now, really, it's not really Tuchel. Well, that's the thing. Who is it? 
Marina Granovskaya. Marina Granovskaya and Peter Cech fall in love with Romelu Lukaku and think it's a good idea to spend this. And what does Tuchel say? Yeah, let's go with this. Yeah, let's not yeah, go with this. Yeah, but Tuchel doesn't say I give him £250,000 a week. No, but I, I think to some degree, I mean, I, I, I don't know for a fact that Tuchel is involved with salary um, conversations. I think he definitely should be because when you're running a club, yeah, you say, maybe. we have a finite amount of money. If we pay this guy this much, we can't pay these other guys. Who do you want to put? Where do you want to put the chips? It's, you know, there, there, there's a saying that like, you know, um, you know, kind of victory has as many, it's victory as many mothers and uh, defeat is an orphan. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to claim well, course, responsibility yeah, yeah. Right. for these things, right? The the the, the Pogba deal, which didn't work out, yeah. right? Oh, it's nobody's fault. Mourinho, right? no, no, no. You know, we don't know. We don't know. Nobody did this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Or, or rather, we just blame Ed Woodward because Ed Woodward, of course, gets blamed for uh, everything. For everything, yeah, pretty much. Pretty um, much. I do think that there's, um, and again, you, you know, you need to look into all of those deals, but. In terms of the structure that some of those players walk into, our club, which they can adapt quickly, especially if it's a good one, or they can just sink completely and almost almost disappear when when it either doesn't fit them or it's not really made for them. And Lukaku, in a way, I understand everything that you said before. He also arrived in a team and in a system and a manager that didn't actually. I think didn't help him enough to to fit in no to really fit in, and I think there's a lot of players in your list, but again, it's not so much the goalkeepers and the defenders, but more in midfield and, and the forwards, who if the if the structure around was messy, or just not up to the task, where they struggled. And again, the, your grades are perfect, and but a lot of it could also be down to. Those players walking in into a into a system already put together that didn't really fit them, and then we go back to the the point that you just made earlier. Why would you sign some of those players at times where you where a lot of people could see that they would not fit in? Yeah, that's. I mean, and I'm I'm, I'm thinking Coutinho is a great example of Completely. this. Um, again, just don't 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 want to just pick on him, but um, there are. There's a whole bunch of people, Lamar, who who we've mentioned. I, I think sometimes you also have situations where you know you overspend because you want to win something, right? Because you have a window of opportunity that's closing, and you see this guy's a last piece. I don't want to say last piece of the puzzle necessarily because he might not fit, but he had so much quality, and yeah. so we're going to roll the dice on this. And Cristiano Ronaldo going to Juventus, I think, would fit into it. I ended up giving it three out of five. I don't know, to be honest, it maybe might be closer to two in the sense they might normally know now I'm going to do it again. Yeah. But then I look at Eden Hazard, and he's moved to Real Madrid, yeah. $115 million, and he had a year left on his contract, because this isn't reflected on here. And, you know, he's 28 years old at the time. Honestly, what, did, what would Hazard have needed to do? You know, stay fit, score 20 goals and 20 assists every season to live up to that price and yeah. those wages at that age? Yeah. Completely. So we go back, but Real Madrid. There's also James Rodriguez on that list for the midfielders. And that is a perfect example of the emotional Completely. decision. World Cup 2014, that incredible goal, that tournament as a whole, and then you bring into your team, and he's had some good games. It's just not, and he's a very talented boy. There's, there's no problem. We can debate the the work ethic and all the all those kind of things, and go back to the mindset that we mentioned at the start right. of the segment about the drive and the ambition. But that was never going to work. 
It was never going to work. And for 75 million euros in a team that you have already the boss in Cristiano Ronaldo, where everything has to go through, this was just... And, and no. yeah, okay, you're Florentino Perez, you watch television, you say, oh yeah, I need James in my team. But it's more complicated than that. I, I think there's some stuff about it, because again, I know Florentino can make emotional decisions sometimes, but... I know that's the popular narrative that he watched it on TV, saw Colombia at the World Cup and fell in love. Yeah. I, I want to give Florentino, I can be critical of Florentino, I am often critical, but I want to give more credit for that. I think there's still some stuff that we don't know about this team. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That has to come out because it just made so little sense um, at the time. But, um, right, that brings us to an end. I, I think I need to, I think I want to keep doing this. I'm going to do this I every think year. I think you're very good at it. See know? for trends, you know. It's yeah. easy stuff. And uh, yeah, feel free to debate. But listen, if you want to disagree on these, that's fine. But please disagree on the criteria. Not like, oh, how could you give Kevin De Bruyne a four out of five when he's the best midfielder in the world? He's well, the most expensive the in the world. Yeah. Four out of five means he surpassed those expectations. Oh. Manchester City won a league title without him and, you know, another one practically without him. Like, yeah. you know... It doesn't mean you, you get five out of five and go into a, you know, Ronaldo at Real Madrid situation. Anyway, that's all for another time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough bloviating. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. Florentino Perez spoke to El Chiringuito and said, referring to Kylian Mbappe, uh, presumably, that Real Madrid will always be interested in players who understand that nobody is bigger than the club. Here we go. Jules, does he know something we don't? Here we go. Well, I've been telling you all along that this deal will happen in two years, one year, three years, whatever it takes. It will happen all this. Like, he will never, ever play for this club. You know, he betrayed right. us. Can we get conspiratorial and suggest that there's a hidden, hidden secret release clause in there that I don't becomes know active after the World Cup and after the circus be, leaves town? It might be, or it might just be that there's already a, some sort of agreement, gentleman agreement, even between the two clubs. I, I don't know. I just know that Kylian Mbappe will play for Real Madrid one day. I don't know how long it will take him to get there, but he will. I understand they were upset, and in that interview... Perez said, you know, he, he wanted to achieve his dreams and then he changed his mind. 15, we had everything sorted. This is not the Kilian that I wanted, that kind of stuff. But he also said a lot of things that 
show that I think at some point he will he will sign him and I think he knows it I All think right. he knows it also in that interview Gab Florentino said that the Super League is not dead is he talking about July 11th July 11th mark the date in your calendars yeah. that's when the uh, European courts are going to decide whether UEFA are abusing their power as uh, and, and in a monopolistic way uh, and violating competition law by the fact that they are both regulator in the sense that they make the rules for the pyramid in the game but also competition organizer in the sense that they organize the Champions League. Essentially, what this does, if the courts find in favor of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, yeah. it would mean that they could go and play their own competitions and organize their own competitions, like say the Super League, without any kind of penalty or, mm. or sanction from UEFA. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the courts are going to recognize that football and, and the pyramid there's a concept called the specificity of sport that all of this, you can't treat this like another business. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely don't know because courts are lawyers. Lawyers are unpredictable, yeah, right? Yeah, we know what you think of lawyers as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eve Basuma is on the verge of a 25 million pound move to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Jules, he had a year left on his contract. Yeah. Is this a good deal? I think it is a good deal. You can argue that with a one year left, 25 million is... You know, he's a he's, he's big money. Twenty six years old, though. Yeah, he's, you've got five, six, seven years left. Easily, and, and he's I a really good player. He's a really good player. I think he will improve Spurs. I think well done to them for signing someone like him. Between Hoiberg, Bentanko, and Bisuma, I don't even want to talk about Winks and Skip and all the of little that Iniesta. Guy. Yeah, Skip got a new contract. Have but this respect. is good. This is good to play Champions League. It's good to play in the league. I don't know if they will rotate. If Hoiberg will have to make room for Bentanko and and Bisuma. But Bisuma brings a lot of the things that they need as well. I mean, if I was Tangi and Dombele, I'd be really worried right now. Ooh. But it's did. I mean, there's obviously a, a case, uh, you know, privately around Bisuma. I don't know what the outcome of that will be. Well, we can what, say about it is that he was arrested. Yeah. He's being investigated um, for a sexual assault in, right. in a nightclub. Um, the investigation's still ongoing. He hasn't been charged yet. No. I would assume... 1,000% that if you're Tottenham, you have done your homework on this. I would think and so, And you say, okay, we're very confident that he's not going to be charged um, and that, you know, this doesn't follow a pattern. It's not reflective of him or whatever. We don't know. No, exactly. But if you didn't do your homework, well, then yeah. you're stupid. And just quickly for the Arsenal fans who are not happy that he's going to Spurs because they thought it could be a good value for, for Arsenal. This is not the midfielder, the profile of a midfielder they're looking right now. So don't well, feel like you're missing out on someone where they're targeting different profiles of midfielders. What, what, what is that? So they don't want to... But they, 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 want they to think with Partey and Lokonga, they already have players in similar profile, which is true. And also... You Are you not clear on the fact that Partey's older and gets injured? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And then Lokonga is very young. Yeah, but he's think, there. If you sign Bisuma, I mean, you can't sign a million midfielders either to start with. Well, no, now that you extended El Nani, who you were going to get rid of. But whatever, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Meanwhile, Gab, interest pursuit of Romelu Lukaku continues uh, and the clubs are talking. But why does this deal have to get done by the end of June? So the reason that this deal has to get done is uh, Romelu Lukaku, obviously, being at Inter, there was, there was tax legislation in Italy which essentially it's meant for captains of industry and high profile people essentially means that you can get a really good deal on your taxes essentially half your income uh essentially is tax is tax free wow. 
So what that means was because Inter cannot afford to pay him anywhere near what he's on right now at Chelsea. So the idea was that it would be that he would cut his salary by a certain amount. And then on top of that, Inter would get this tax benefit, which means that they could afford to sign him. Um, essentially, yeah. he would be costing, he would be taking a 30% pay cut, but it would be costing Inter a lot less than what he costs Chelsea. Yeah. So that's the idea. The thing is, this has to be done by June 30th because it's under his old, the old residency regime. Latest news is that Chelsea are open to a deal, but, you know, Chelsea want to get some money back because of the amortization of his fee, which is, which is a lot. That's true. Inter have apparently offered 5 million euros. Chelsea are thinking more along the lines of, of 15. Will they meet in the middle? I don't know. Seems like a lot of money. And I also still go back to the point. If I'm Chelsea, I ask Tuchel, like, are you sure? If this guy leaves, we can't necessarily go and get you another mm -hmm. center forward. Otherwise, it's Armando Brogia next year. You sure you're okay with this, Tommy? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not sure he is. Jules, I hate to bring this up, but France lost at home to Croatia. Uh, they have just two points from four Nations League games. Deschamps has a lot of capital in the bank, but are folks asking questions? Because they darn sure yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah, they are. They should be. We are as well. It was, it was bad. It was a bad game overall. Deschamps was bad, really bad in the team selection, in the, the system they played in, the tactics. How can you be 1-0 down at home and still play 4-5-1 out position is beyond me, completely beyond me. He got his substitutions wrong, he got everything wrong basically. I know it was a, it was a tough tough time for him because obviously he's lost his father halfway through or at the start of this international break. He said at the end he took responsibility to be fair to him, said that he didn't have the energy, the players didn't have the energy, it was really tough. I don't know how much you read into it, but certainly it's a bit worrying the fact that they only scored three goals in four games, that they really look out of it completely and that he's still not really sure how to play with what system with what players before the 2018 World Cup it was not much better which reassures me a little bit because it was a bit of a mess five months before the 2018 World Cup and they ended up winning it it was a, but, a bit of a mess at the 2018 World Cup but just that they're good at defending and they play yeah, with center backs or full if they do the same again in 2022 that's fine with me right, but you know right. I'm a bit I'm starting to be a bit worried now Germany destroyed Italy 5-2 and it could have been more to be fair Gab that late goal for Italy avoided this being the Azuri's worst ever defeat to the Germans you want to praise NC Flick's team or more despair about Roberto Mancini's crew I will choose to praise Hansi Flick's team because I am not despairing about about Mancini's crew. No, like, I think you're right. I, this is, it's not like, oh, let's assess the team ahead of the World Cup, because guess what? We ain't going to the World Cup. You're not. Right? We, we got we to gotta take a longer-term view here. <laughs> so he played he played a bunch of the kids. Again, we saw Nyonto, we saw, uh, we saw Fratesi. Yeah. Uh, the guys who were there didn't play well. Nobody, even, you know, some of the veterans who were in there, like, like Barella or whatever. But, you know, Germany played well. I, I think what we're seeing is uh, and we found out that Timo Werner can actually score goals. Yeah, yeah. Two Remember what you said the last show? Uh, look, I think we're at the stage, and this applies to all of them, we're seeing a lot of random weirdo results because yeah. players are tired, managers are doing different things, they're mixing things up. We shouldn't read too much into it. Although, Jules, yeah. it could be worse. It could. You could be England. You could be losing ah. at home to Hungary 4-0. Look, I... If we're gonna if we're gonna say we're gonna give France and Italy the benefit of the doubt, we gotta give Southgate the benefit of the doubt as well. He says you should he should get the blame, not the players. But is he now the English guy? Are you 100%, ready to go there? Hundred percent. I don't want to say his name anymore. I've had enough. I had enough at the World Cup. I had enough at the Euros. I don't rate him as you know. I like him as a guy, as a person. I don't think he's a. 
is at this level in terms of managing and management. Uh, what we saw against Hungary, but not just Hungary. And I know it was difficult for a lot of countries. But what we saw in the previous games was just not good enough from him. It was just not good enough from him uh, in the setup. Again, yes, the players are tired, but some of the calls that he made made no sense. Some of the system, the formation, the tactics made no sense. I think if, if the crowd are Wolves and you don't go often to play England matches at Wolves and if even they turn on you, it's clearly, I think, the problem is yeah, deeper. There's some pretty hardcore fans and they, they're angry. They're angry, you know, and I think it goes deeper than just saying, oh, but, you know, it's tough to play four games in 10 days at the end of a season like this, which I, I agree to. But I just don't think it's good enough what we've seen. This is maybe the most talented squad England have ever had with 66. I think even better than 86 or 90. I think this I would have is, said 2006 was... But I think 2006 was talented but very unbalanced. I think this one can have balance, can have pretty much everything. I don't get this messing around with a 4-3-3 and like, I, you know, we have this conversation with Robbo. Robbo says Walker has to play and play in a back three and Walker goes and mops up and that way you get Alexander-Arnold in the team. Simple as. No, Alexander-Arnold doesn't defend. So what do I do? Oh, but at left back, let me keep playing right backs at left back. That's crazy. I, I, I this whole thing. And also, Calvin Phillips, what's his excuse? What, he's tired too? He's tired after he's been sitting on his he backside half the season? season? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... Well, why, why do you play a formation where you have to cram most players in where you're weakest and have, other than Declan Rice and maybe Jude Bellingham one day, mm. although certainly not against, uh, I don't know. No, not good, with you. move they on. They might still win the World Cup and you know I hope they have a really good The time. talent's there, he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. Australia beat Peru on penalty kicks in the first Inter-Confederation playoffs by substitute keeper Andrew Redmayne, who grabs the headlines, Gab. So my first thing i got to say about this game is, yes, I knew we were going there with Redmayne. Um, this is evidence why the World Cup had to be moved. Um, I mean, even at night, it was so hot. But why did they play that game there? Well, In because the you got to get used out of the stadium. You got to start testing things out. And it you was know. like hundred degrees. <laughs> but whatever. I I thought it was actually pretty evenly matched. I don't think yep, Australia are a great team, but and. Even in the penalties, there were mistakes from, from both that got through. But, yeah, the story's going to be Redmond. He comes on for Matt, Matt Ryan. Um, actually, a couple minutes towards the end of, it, of injury time, which I thought, incidentally, was weird because you knew he was going to give a lot of minutes of injury time. Why, yeah. not, why not wait until, like, you know, if you say you don't want to send him in there cold, fine, wait until 30 seconds or something. But whatever. <laughs> it just struck me as weird. Uh, you know, Redmond's got, like, the giant beard, yeah. uh, whatever, and he's dancing around. Some people said, oh, look. I don't like that because it's not ethical. No, it's fine. He can do what he wants within the rules. He looks stupid. I'm not sure he even troubled the, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the penalty takers. I think it was. I think that narrative moved away. I yeah. think the penalty takers were made mistakes. Costa Rica, though, became the last team to qualify for the World Cup as an early goal from Joel Campbell. Remember him? Gives them a 1-0 win over New Zealand in the other playoff. Jules, the All-Whites weren't happy with VAR, though. Yeah, they, they, they thought some harsh calls were made against them. I mean, I thought, again, it was, a, it was quite a level game, I thought. There was not much in it like the Australia-Peru game. Maybe, again, the heat. And they also complained about having to play that game in Qatar, which... I think they have a point. I'm happy for Joel Campbell. Who's still oh, sorry, where do they want to play the game? What, in Wellington? Like... I don't know, but it was really, it looked, it looked like the heat took a lot of... This is hot for the Costa Rican players. Yeah, no, I know, but it's, it's hot for everyone. I'm just not saying that, you know, for, it would have been better for New right. Zealand or Costa Rica, but it's just, 
you know, I'm happy for Kelo Navas, Brian Rees, who came on at halftime, who's still involved. It's pretty, it's <laughs> that, that generation that did so well in 2014 is still very much there. So well done to them. L'Equipe Gab reports that UEFA are looking at the possibility of a four-team preseason tournament to be played in the US before the Champions League gets underway, so at, at some point in, in August. What do you make of it? Yeah, I would be clear, not this August, but in, no, in future yeah. years. From 24-25 season. The, like, the idea is they want to monetize and maximize the UEFA brand and you know um, do it in the States rather than having them go and, and, and play in preseason tours in the US. We, we go and we do this. We have this little mini tournament. In the end, UEFA is responding to clubs who want more money, more money, more money. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're floating there. I, as you can see, though, if you're CONCACAF, if you agree to this, because it is on their territory yeah. and, and they do have a right to, to, to go and decide. Jules, you reported on Wednesday um, on ESPN.com that Mauricio Pochettino has been sacked and we're just waiting on the announcement. That's right, Gab. Goodbye, Poch. I mean, he was, it was not very good until he lasted. He had to stop at some point because it was just not good enough. And then we still don't know who's going to replace him. So let's also wait to find out if it's Galtier or Zidane or and someone else. Or Allegri. Oh, Allegri, yeah, Allegri. maybe. Not so sure about that one. <laughs> Meanwhile, multiple outlets are saying that Paul, Pog- Paul Pogba's return to Juventus has been finalised and he's all done. Gab, is there where he regains his mojo? I think so. I think he seems motivated. I think he was comfortable in terrain. He, he's going to be there with Allegri. Uh, he definitely makes the team better. Um, and again, he's... Four years. It's 13 March, four years. It's a big commitment, um, but you know, it's it, it, it's still within Juve's parameters. It still makes sense. Yeah. I'm okay with it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of Pogba, his new documentary is out on Friday on Amazon Prime. And I, I thought this was a joke, but apparently it really is called the Pogmentary. That's right, yeah. It's his I, idea. I, I'd love to meet these marketing people. It's his I, idea, that. It's his idea. Yeah. All right, then much respect. Call brand. it whatever you want. It's Call it brand. George if you like. I bet you're excited, Jules. We I, did get some insight, though, on that extension that Manchester United offered him. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true, Gab. Uh, I'm excited. It's a five-part like mini-series, if you want, where you really dive into, I mean, if you're interested, you don't have to watch it, but into his life, his private life. You know how much criticism he's going to get from people for doing this? Probably, yeah. The wife, the kids, the, the mom, the brothers, all of that is in it. It, it talks about, it talks with Mino, Mino and, and Rafaela, uh, the t- his two agents. In two as well, he mentioned the, the offer that United make and the absence of a second offer too. He's not going to say 
who he signs for in the documentary. I've se I've seen I've seen it. I've most of it. Uh, but it's a good. I think it's a good uh, take into how the process and you know the discussion that he has i think you see a lot of rafael ambimenta in it who is very important to him uh and to the whole you know to the whole process so yeah i, I find it interesting what, what was interesting to me was we, we find out that um manchester united the new contract that they offered him basically was not was the same as the old one there was yes, no raise yes, involved that's right. and the conversation and again obviously the cameras are there but the conversation so they know the cameras are there but i don't think you necessarily are going to necessarily have this conversation knowing we're going to release a documentary in the future is more that well if they value me why are they offering me the same amount as before i i find it interesting from united's perspective and but but from mino's perspective too that this is how you feel like you know because my attitude we talked about earlier is I'm sorry, Paul. You've been here. We love you. You're very talented. But you've been injured. You've been rubbish. Yep. Yep. There's no reason to give you a raise. Yep. And I think that's the right attitude from United. I agree too. So I'm actually Team United on this one, much as I love Pogba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can understand that completely. And sticking with United, Gab, Christian Eriksen has been linked to them. Does that make sense to you? Obviously a free agent. Uh, no, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, I don't. Why not? It's okay. This is my thinking, right? I know Christian Eriksen's come back, done very well for Brentford. But if you're Eriksen, you said your dream is to play in the World Cup. Yeah. So I'm thinking, especially given why you are in this situation, what you want most is stress-free, no drama, play at a high level, and get ready for the World Cup. And then we see after the World Cup, but already, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're not a kid anymore, right? Um, but going to Manchester United. What? Why can't you get that United? Because it's a freaking zoo. Because you got a new manager. Because you got Bruno Fernandez playing in a similar position, or maybe it's a four-three-three. And you're, I, there's just a different level of pressure on you. I, I don't. True. Maybe it's what he wants. Maybe it's what he craves. I don't know. But there's Champions League football. There's Eric Ten Hag. Yeah. There's well. a lot of games, and your goal is the World Cup. You told us that. True. Yeah. Yeah. But let's not what forget Eric that. Ten Hag. What, what is he? Is his dad like? But he, he invited him to play with Ajax to train with Ajax when he was coming back from the after the accident. Yeah, you're nice they for him. A lot of really people well. invited him. He trained in Switzerland too. No, so I what? know. He's gonna go sign uh, for Chiasso. It's not like someone that he's never met before, or never trained with, for example. Hey, Ericsson obviously was at Ajax. That was a long time ago. I think I don't even know where where Ten Hag was. No, at he the wasn't time. there then. But he was there before he moved to Brentford back in September. When I don't he trained know. For them. I, I. But then also from the United perspective, right? You got a long-term project. Is Ericsson going to be part of it's any kind of long-term? Yeah, you, no, no, no. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. You know, if you're going to rebuild, rebuild. And yeah. why create this potential Ericsson, Bruno? For, yeah, but, you know, what we should be talking about is they're going to play 4-3-3, I presume, right? Because that's I what, think so. Right? Where does Bruno fit in a 4-3-3? I think he can play as, as an eight. He will have to change a bit his game. But can you play can with play. Bruno and Ericsson as your eights? And what? And Fred I going mean, Ericsson is not there them? yet. So <laughs> I don't know. It seems... but, but for me, the, the most is yeah, you need a really, really good holding midfielder to play 4 3 3 the way Tenag wants to, and right now they don't have it. McTominay. Who? Yeah, exactly. Dani Alves is leaving Barcelona again. Oh. Jules, I can't help but feel that given his teeny tiny wages, he might have been helpful just to hang out for another. And suddenly he wanted to stay, but instead, it's okay. They gave an extension to Sergio Roberto, who. Again, I should not mention his name. Certainly not in the same sentence as, as with Dani Alves. He wanted well, to stay. I think he was sad not to be given a, a, an extension on, like you said, the minimum wage, pretty much. Um, I don't know. Is it 
because he didn't give you what you wanted in the last six months. I don't know. I, 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 because you already have Sergio Dest and Sergio Roberto and Aspilicueta, I think would probably come now if Daniel Alves leaves. I'm, I'm not really sure. If they can ever sign these players, because that's the other players. issue. Exactly. Speaking of Barcelona, Gab, it's a big day today because they will vote on whether to sell 49.9% of the licensing and merchandising company and 25% of future TV rights to CVC. Well, no, not to CVC, not to CVC, because he came out and he said, well, no, we don't want the CVC deal, but we've got other solutions. I, I thought it was the CVC deal, but so they've got someone that's like CVC. They had CVC on the table, but okay. he's saying he's not going to join the CVC oh, deal. Wow. He's going to do a private deal. At least that was a speculation. I don't yeah. know. And this is what makes me really, really uneasy, right? So this isn't a vote by all the Barcelona members. It's a vote by sort of an exalted, I guess, premium tier representative clubs or whatever. Hey, there's about 4,000 odd people who have the right to vote. Um, but as we've seen in the past, like, which I think I always find is very weird for a club like Barcelona, but um, only a small minority of those people actually show up yeah. to, to vote. Yeah, we said that before. And ultimately, these people aren't necessarily going to be experts. So they're going to have to trust the Porta that they're going to weigh up the, the pros and cons here. With a TV deal, it's always risky because you're saying like, we'll take money now in exchange for future income. Well, 25, if, if the, you know, if my TV deal now is 100, but in a few years could be 1,000, and I give up 25% of that. Exactly. It's not a great deal. No. The 49.9% 49 of their licensing and merchandising company as well. You know, you can raise a couple hundred million, sure. But then what? You know, is this all to go and and try to have more flexibility with the spending cap? Because again, as of right now, they can't sign uh, Kessie and Christensen, who they've already signed as free agents. Or indeed, I'm, I don't even think they can extend Sergio Roberto's contract. No, yeah, no, um, no. So they have to sort that out somehow. I, I don't know. It's, it feels to me like mortgaging the future. You need some really smart people in a room giving an opinion on this and whether this is right or wrong. And this is the problem. You've got to put a lot of faith in... And this is really Jonah short Potter. term, but do you think they've got any other option than just think short term because of the situation financially that they're in? Personally, unless this deal is really good. And again, I'm not an expert in this, but you know, guess what? Neither is Laporta. He's got to go and trust <laughs> experts. And problem, what we realize with experts is you find one expert, he says one thing, and another expert says the other thing. Is It seems to me like it's a gamble. Honestly, what I would do yeah, yeah. is I would hunker down. I would say, we got in the top four last year. Pedri and Gavin, those guys only get better. If we need to sell the young, let's sell the young. But otherwise, let's operate on this four, on, on this you on know four to one ratio, yeah. right? Sacrifice the young if we have to. Sacrifice Memphis if we, you know my love for Memphis. Yeah. And understand we are in a big hole, and let's get out of this hole slowly. And we've already shown by putting faith in the kids, we can finish top four. We can maybe be a little bit competitive. It might take a couple years. Yeah, yeah. But that's better than mortgaging our future. Yeah, definitely. Christopher Nkunku is set to sign a new contract at Leipzig rather than move this summer. Jules, he'd be silly not to insert a release clause, right? Yeah, you're right. And that's exactly what they're doing. There will be a release clause. How much? Clause. How much? How much? How much? I think he's... So they're talking about it now between 60 and 70, up to 75 million euros. I think this is the ballpark. You know, this right. is the the bracket. And it will still only be 25. And I think there will be clubs who are ready to pay that kind of money anyway. He's had an incredible season. And I think also what he was quite... 
uh, worry about was the World Cup coming, obviously. And I think you still Leipzig, you're still the big boss of that team. You and Tedesco have a great relationship. You arrive at the World Cup, you'll be part of the front squad, and you'll be, you would think, with great momentum and dynamic. If you move now, to go to you got to resettle yeah, and so exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we don't know how much you're going to play between no. now and November. It might be a bit difficult. So I think this is clearly the best. If he choice. gets that release clause, he's played this really yeah, well. I think he will be. Oh my God! I bet you love this guy because Benfica have released the details of Darwin Nunez' 75 million euro transfer fee to Liverpool. His former club Almeria will get 10 million euros. Penarol in Uruguay, where he started out his career, will get 3 million euros, and 7.5 million euros will go to agents and intermediaries. This is the transparency that you that you I, always want. I love Obrigado Benfica. <laughs> no, it's because Benfica are listed in the stock market, so they have to be they transparent to, yeah. about this. A no, lot no. of these other clubs are not transparent about it and why are they not transparent you know people say oh, it's none of your business but no 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 it is the business of the fans yeah. the reason they're not transparent other clubs is because um, uh, directors of football coaches people like that they don't want to be held to account they don't want to be held to nope. account anyway whatever um, it, it's interesting I mean the 7.5 million which goes on agents and intermediaries this is 7.5 million from the Benfica end yeah. so out of the 75 million that they get Liverpool presumably will be paying Darwin Nunez's uh, agent yeah, to sign right. his contract. And also, often you assume there's a buying agent who represented Liverpool um, in the deal. That people can say, is it a lot? Is it a little? It's the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had this conversation when we had Giovanni Branchini on and so yeah. on about regulation. If it's transparent, I don't have a problem. Go ahead, pay him $100 million if you like, if it's transparent. Thankfully, Benfica are transparent. A lot of others aren't. No, that's true. Dean Henderson has reportedly agreed personal terms with Nottingham Forest, and he could be joining them on loan with a £20 million option to buy. This makes sense for Manchester United and for Henderson? Well, I mean, we can start the debate. You know, would it be better than De Gea in goal? Certainly be more proactive, I think. But what's the point of keeping him if he's never going to play? You may as well... If he, especially as we understand, he's desperate to leave and desperate to play. He wants to play in the Premier League. This is a good opportunity for him. Send him on loan uh, with that option to buy, and then 20 million. I think for someone who you've had now on your books for three or four years. When well, his contract's gonna, preserve, I think he's only gonna have a year left. Yeah. So I think it does make sense. I did he deserve to have a chance for United more than what he's had so far? Probably. I Is think it so. for his current keeper pretty good? He's going to leave Samba or whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't think he. Is. I, I think he's pretty good. Yeah, he played for. He played in France before. Obviously, he's French. Right. Uh, and Marseille didn't really get get a chance. But yeah, Le Havre, who are really good for goalkeepers, uh, the academy. Yeah, and for Pogba. Decent, yeah, Pogba and many others. Marca are reporting that Vinicius has verbally agreed a contract extension through 2026 gap with a billion euro release clause. He was out of contract uh, in 2024 gap, so that was that was necessary. It's necessary, it's deserved. He had a really yeah. good season. You reward Obviously, him. Uh, at Real Madrid, they've got tiers. He's moved up to, to a higher tier. In terms of wages, I think it's a good deal. The extension could be 26 or 27. They're going to kind of decide in, in June. He didn't want a longer deal, which I can also sh- suggest that Definitely. from his perspective, he's taking care of himself. He's being smart. Yeah. The release clause, I always have to laugh. Yeah. Like Nobody's going to pay a billion euros for Vinicius. Okay, relax. Nobody's ever <laughs> yeah. paid more than $180 million for anybody except for Neymar. That was a release clause. And I think hindsight, we know that was a mistake. These release clauses are essentially yeah, you nonsense. Have have it's a weird Spanish thing. Yeah. We in the media shouldn't focus on release Definitely clauses because they're stupid. Complain. 
So Paulo forward Marquinhos is on his way to Arsenal for just $4 million, but Wolves aren't happy about it. What are the Gunners getting for their, for their money? They're getting, they're getting a really good talent at 19 years of age, uh, who is a very skillful, uh, quick winger with a lot of pace and a lot of uh, you know, dribbling abilities, that kind of stuff, which I think is something that, you know, I think Saka is really good at obviously dribbling and one-on-one -on -one situation, 1v1 situation, but I think they can do with Marquinhos, let him grow. Especially if they're going to sell Saka shortly since he's not going to sign his new deal. Don't start Saka's going to sit in B, I know you will stay all your life. Don't listen to him. Uh, and for that amount of money, a bit like the Martinelli deal a few years ago, then you take it. You take it. And I think Edu wants the Arsenal name to be there in Brazil, to be out there for those young talents to want to come to Europe and want to go to Arsenal, Arsenal to be the go-to. So it makes a lot of sense for them. They still need a centre-forward, right? We so they do. Osimhen? 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 I would love Osimhen oh. in the Premier League, that's for sure. Real Madrid have put a 35 million euro price tag on Marco Asensio, who is 26 and uh, is one year away from being a free agent guy. But at the same time, they're also open to offering him a new deal. So what's going on then here? Either you want to keep him or you want to sell him. Or you want to hedge your bets. Um, I think a lot of it is actually down to Asensio, right? So he's saying, okay, what do I want to do? Um, you know, well, if I stick around, he, he knows that obviously you've got Rodrigo there and so, you know, somebody's going to be coming yeah, in. Yeah, Hazard as well. And, and Hazard. back to fitness. But he's played well. And I think Real Madrid equally are saying like, look, we, we're willing to gamble on keeping you for a year and then losing on a free transfer because your boy Mbappe is not coming. Yeah. So we need you around. I think at that price and at that age, I think he can do a job for a lot of clubs. I, I think Asensio is a really good player who was on the brink of superstardom. Then he had that injury. And then this year... He lacks consistency, though. He does. I also think, though, the way Real Madrid played this year, doesn't he's not a counterattacker. Doesn't doesn't necessarily sue him. No, true. Uh, sued him. I think in the right club, he can go... You know, for this money. We're talking yeah, 35 yeah, yeah. million here, right? Yeah, but the amortization is done now already on when they bought him. So... Uh, it's done. Your boy, Mohamed Ali Cho, has joined Real Sociedad. Jules, how excited should they be? You talked them up last time. And what is attack going to look like now that the only living Sorloth in captivity <laughs> is heading back to his cage in Leipzig? I think they should be excited. Uh, Isaac Cho, pretty good, yeah. He's really, really talented. Not so sure about the, uh, the graphic to announce him with the, you know, the gloves. Obviously, for the Muhammad his name Ali. Muhammad Ali huh? yeah, I'm not really sure that worked, but contract until 2027. He's young, he's hungry, he's super talented, super quick. I think La Liga fits his style of play. I don't know if you play him and Isak up front in a, in a two, or if he's the sort of number two option after Isak. Uh, and for Solarth, we can't really say that you know he, his time in Spain yeah, worked out for for him. He felt more like active captivity than anything else, to be fair. So, Major League Soccer have signed a ten-year, two-point-five billion-dollar deal with Apple TV. Gab, is this a game changer? Could other leagues follow? It's interesting because I don't, you know, having well, certainly we've never had this long a deal no. with a domestic streaming service which is ultimately what apple tv is yeah, and this is globally for the whole world so mls games would be you'd be able to see them on apple tv wherever you live this is yeah. for the whole world so compared to their current deal which i believe obviously was part of the ussf deal um you know 
they've about tripled it their annual revenue uh, just because they don't make very much the, that, the 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 previous deal the domestic deal was 90 million odd but that included um the u.s national team as yeah. well uh and it didn't include overseas rights but overseas rights i mean i, I think they're lucky if they get a bag of chips so it's a lot of money i think they still want to do linear deals they still want to get stuff out there because one of the risks is you know not everybody has apple tv yeah, not everybody right. wants to spend whatever it costs a month um and obviously apple tv has no necessarily experience in terms of streaming sports which as we've learned as the zone can tell us sometimes technologically it's not that easy or amazon as well yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah there are glitches it's difficult um but they're a partner with deep pockets and i think mls mls needs that and i tell you what other leagues will be looking at this and i'm kind of wondering about this yeah i agree it's been a while since we had an update on na 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 Batman. That's true. That's true. And it seems like he's coming to the Premier League, but maybe not to the club. I mean, it's not maybe not to the club. Every day here's something different. Oh, now Milan don't need him because Kalulu and Tomori were so good and Simon Kier's coming back and Gabia's there, right? And the next day is, oh, no, he's going to the Premier League. Oh, no, Milan are back. What, wait, wait, what's, well, uh, because he's oh, he doesn't dude. want to go to Newcastle. Oh, he does want. He'd rather go to Milan. Oh, because Bob, well, because you know, he's I reading it, I Marco van Basten's book about the, he wants to blow dry his <laughs> hair. What? What's the deal here? He would. I think he would want to play Champions League football ideally, uh, but clearly, I mean, he's tempted to go to Newcastle as well. He played Champions League football next year. How much fun did he have doing that? Come on, man! Like, wait, we're, we're talking about Bobman, like he's freaking Beckenbauer. Yeah, he's really what? good. He's a really good left-footed centre back, by the way. Okay. You don't have many out there. I mean, I just ask you this question. I don't want to turn Bobman. I think it's between Milan and Newcastle for sure, and Newcastle seems wait, to be. But the this favorite. is what I don't understand about this guy. I can look. I, I, sometimes just the way the media works. I don't know if he has an agent he has. who's extremely friendly and talks to everybody continuously. But I, I rarely remember a transfer or a transfer link that's gone on for so long, right? What is it, like eight months now? It's just the hype. The hype and, is big. No, but there's only two teams. It's always been Milan, Newcastle. Newcastle, Milan. <laughs> and those two are very different. They're, 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 they they're are clubs different. in that's different situations, sure. that's for different sure. leagues and so on. And I'm anyway, does nobody else like Botman? Is it just these two? What is he? They, was well, he? I, know, but I think considering his age, again, that he's left-footed. That he's on the market for, the, I think it's a decent price for him. You know, if you get, why doesn't he sign for for Paris Saint Germain? You guys need central 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 defenders, it's right? It's a good question, actually, yeah, because we already have Kimpembe as left footer. I've, well, the problem is maybe Luis Camp, Luis Campos didn't leave good memories in uh, maybe, indeed, as maybe. Well. maybe as well. La Liga boss Javier Tebas, as promised, uh, has filed a formal complaint with the UFA. UFI, sorry, regarding Manchester City and PSG not respecting financial fair play rules. What does this mean? It doesn't mean anything. It just <laughs> means that he said he was going to do it. He was angry over the Mbappe deal. He's pointed this out about, you know, uh, sovereign wealth funds, essentially countries sort of continually pumping money into clubs and changing the market and not being enough oversight. I think he's 100% right, and I'm glad he's doing it. And for all the criticism yeah. that you can put at Tebas, he has brought a level of transparency and accountability to La Liga, right? I, I hate it when people have, you know, say, like, oh, let's make rules. And like, oh, but I'm like an exception with you, an exception with you. No, no. He's made rules. He's, he hasn't That's been afraid of, of, of clashing with Real Madrid, with Barcelona. Yeah. And I think oh, deep down, Real Madrid respect the fact that he has the rules, right? Yeah. And he's, but that said, you know, what, what, what do you want UEFA to do right now? There's nothing they can do. Absolutely nothing. I mean, these changes have to come from higher up. 
they, they've hired a, a French lawyer called Juan Bronco, who is, who is a bit of a, or he thinks he's a bit of a celebrity in Paris, in this, you know, in, in this world. And he says, like, we're going to go all guns blazing at them. We're going to get them, you know, and all those words, like, okay, let's see then. But he seems, he seems to be really believing that he can, he can, they can actually, this can lead to something. I'm not going to say all lawyers, but <laughs> 90, 95% of them, you can get them to do whatever you want, right? You just pay them enough money. Vincent Company to Burnley's official, Jules. Woo! I was skeptical, but I guess I was wrong. Were you skeptical about him going or actually him being good? Good fit for that no, team. about him going. About I him just thought he Burnley. wanted to. He could not rent out his place in the northwest, so he thought, <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't know. It was really mixed reviews at Underlegs for what he did in in a in a weak league. Let's be honest here, with I think quite a good academy and a good squad overall. I don't know what to expect from him at Burnley. I don't think this is an easy job at all. I think the championship is a hell of a league. No, I'm not saying it's, it's level on par with the Premier League, but it's a tough, tough league with a lot of matches. The playoffs at the end as well, in a, in a season that where yet they're going to have a, a big break during the World Cup. But still, it's I don't I don't think it's easy. I, I thought he was going to buy I the see club. This one not going well at all. You know why doesn't he just buy the club? And then name himself as manager and chairman. He doesn't want to repay that 50 million yeah, exactly. pound loan. Gab, Inter have signed 20-year-old playmaker Christian Aslani from Empoli. And I know you're a big, big fan. Yes, guess what? I like midfielders who pass and playmake. And for one, I like the fact that Inter aren't signing another, you know, gaggle of Vidal's and Sanchez's and people in Ashley <laughs> Young, people year old. Yeah. look this is a guy who has an upside it's it's 14 million euros 4 million now obligation to buy for 10 million last year which that's why are they doing it this way well they're doing it this way because they don't have cash and this is a way to kick things down the road right um, he's going to be an alternative to Brozovic which I think they really really need Yeah. and he looks like a promising player this is how you need to think exactly well done Ninta Jose it goes from bad to worse for Bordeaux they were relegated from Ligue 1 but they won't be playing in Ligue to either they're sinking deeper than that now that's right Gab they're going to play at the moment they've appealed to the decision but in the third division in National 1 because they went in front of the uh, DNCG as you know the uh, the sort of French financial fair play regulator if you want let's call it that way to make it simple and the financial situation is dire really dire even with the money they're going to get for going down with the new CVC deal as well they're going to get 8 million this summer and 8 million euros the following one as well but even that's not enough even with selling players like Wong or you know others even the money for Adley is just not it's just not enough so Gerard Lopez the owner is in big big trouble especially with the people who actually own the club really who are King Street and Fortress uh, you know similar to Elliot basically in Milan uh, who are the creditors of the club who basically want their money back and right now if they don't get their money back then I think the club could even go bust, let alone play in the third division. So it's really, really difficult time for the club. They're trying to get a deal where the money that they will get from the Chouameni deal, for example, because they get a 10% um, uh, value of that transfer coming in. Right now, this is going to the creditors. It's not going to the club. And I think if they can reach a deal with King Street to get that money in the club, in the, in the bank account of the club straight away, that might just about save them. But... King Street will have to agree to that. It's hard to have a lot of sympathy for King Street in particular in yeah. this in this deal, to be honest. It is, it is to be fair. <laughs> Nemanja Matic is reunited with Jose Mourinho for the third time. Gab, he's moved to Roma, he's official. 
Yeah, and look, I was surprised. I when it was a multi-year deal, blah blah blah. I didn't like it. It's one year plus an option. So it's like now you know what you're gonna get. Yeah. To worry about a little bit the hype in Rome has been like, oh my god, it's like people haven't watched Manchester United play the last couple of years. They don't really count Ren anymore. I don't. They they seem to be to, to to believe he's going straight in. Can you use him? Could he be? A, could, could he play sweeper? Like in the back three? I mean, let's let's take it easy. Let's take Matic. He's motivated. He's That's there. Good. He won't have to look at Ralph Ragnick every day. Yeah. Which you know, I think he appreciates. I think that. he would appreciate. So see yeah. where it goes. The Premier League uh, released their rounds of uh, fixtures uh, today. In fact, because um, you know, I care zero about this because I'm pretty sure that everybody will play everybody else uh, twice. Will they? Yeah, home and away. But what I think is interesting is they got rid of that round of games in between Boxing Day and New Year's Day this year because That's obviously right. the World Cup in Qatar finishes what on like the, the, the 18th or something. Finally, like that. 20th, yeah, finally the 18th. So. This is just common sense, right? It is completely. It makes a lot of sense. What I find amazing is that all the other leagues will actually now have a similar schedule through the festive period, like the Premier League always had. So in France and in the other leagues, you play on the 20th of December, which before used to be a holiday. Well, usually is a holiday. You play on January the 1st, which has never been done before ever in France. So for all those... European fans who say, like, oh, we love Boxing Day and the festive period in England. Why can't we have the same? Here we go. We're going to have the same. I'm not sure even that is good for the players, but I don't think there was another option. There was no other choice. I think this year there is no other choice exactly. because of the thing. And going forward, we've had this conversation before. We've, mm. been, we've been slammed by people on social media for it, but I think we both agree is the outcome is crappy games with tired players. And people yeah. still watch and people, oh, look, I make a mistake. Ha, ha, ha. And like people enjoy it. That's I don't. True. Yeah, that's true. My boy Arsene Wenger is angered force in South America with his comments on player development. Amongst other things, he said that if Kylian Mbappe had been born in Cameroon, he would not be the player that he is today because basically there's development in Europe and then there's development in the rest of the world, which is nowhere near as good. Which, obviously, in South America, they had a lot to say about that. Yeah, so Kamerbog are really angry about really it. Really angry? Uh, I'm a little bit with Arsene Wenger on this when you look at the broader picture, right? So... Arsene Wenger, he's a technical director of FIFA now. He's been beating this drum and Johnny Fantino. They've made the point that said, look, top players come from all over the world, but the money all flows towards Europe. The talent all flows to Europe, towards Europe. We want to change that, right? In the mm. Club World Cup. You can be cynical about it and say they're doing it because they want money and whatever. Fine, but right? But they're saying, like, we want the rest of the world to grow yeah. to become like Europe. And Wenger was talking about how the fact that super talented players um, in Africa you know, they don't necessarily have the facilities. And so a lot of them right now, because of the money as well, they come to Europe at a young age and develop there. Why Commabol gets involved when he's talking about Africa, <laughs> not about South America, I think is simply because right now, the guy who runs Commabol hates Johnny Infantino, hates <laughs> FIFA, and by extension, Arsene Wenger. Wenger, so, he said the rest of the world. I know he said Cameroon and Africa for Kilian, but he said the rest of the world. So I guess if you come aboard, you thought, okay, maybe he means Africa and us as well. Yeah, but you know, what, without being mean about it, you could also look at Vinicius and Rodrigo. And, you know, there are a lot of Brazilian players, a lot of, a lot of people from Brazil, yeah, especially, Argentina but also well, from yeah. Argentina, who come over to a very young age. And, you know, his point is, can we keep these guys there? longer can we develop them longer there that way if they are sold they bring more money back and so on i i don't think wenger's being evil here but maybe he could have chosen his words a little bit better andreas pereira 
will be returning to Manchester United after Flamengo did not pick up his options. Jules, there's no reason whatsoever for me to mention him in quick hits, other than the fact that <laughs> I just realized he joined the club 10 years ago. Yeah. How, how did he keep getting new contracts? This is, is he like United's Lucas Piazon? Exactly, yeah. Although he played a little bit with United, he had a he had a few spells, not much, not well either. Uh, I think maybe they thought he was talented suddenly when he was a young, you know, young player, and he went through, and they thought maybe there's something, and always that fear of if we let him go on a free and then he shines somewhere else, we will look like idiots. Okay, maybe they managed to do that on their own largely. Without. Exactly, without even you know, Andres Pereira. <laughs> the thing was, he played really well for Flamengo, to the point that we had a story a few weeks ago, if you remember, from I think Rob Dawson that you know united players united scout went to a flamengo game to watch someone else and then and then thought that the start of that go, that game was was Pereira. so they almost forgot about him and then realized okay the guy is still good flamengo didn't want the deal it was clearly too high too much money they were asking for the option to buy so it's coming back but to do what maybe eric ten hag likes him i mean if, 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 if i'm ten hag I'm alone and then but if i'm ten hag i haven't come to training camp I assess him. I keep an open mind about him. But don't you think we would know now if he was good enough really for that kind of level? To be honest, look at United's midfielders, right? Matic and Pogba are gone. They literally have two bodies right now, yeah. plus Van de Beek. I don't know if there's somebody I'm forgetting, right? But no, 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 but yeah, you're right. They lost Matic. I don't know, I don't know if Garner's Matic. coming back, right? Yeah. But Ten Hag is going to have to have a, a training camp in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And he's going to have McTominay. Yeah, why not? He's going to have Fred. He's going to have maybe Garner. And Van de Beek, why not have Andre Pereira there too? Yeah, I guess and so. find out if he can play, at least as a placeholder while you bring in other signings. Yeah, yeah, that's Maybe true. he can play. Yeah, Who yeah, knows? That's true. that's true. He got Denisov, the former captain of Russia, has had harsh words for the war in Ukraine, Gab. He says he could be killed or imprisoned as a result. This is a brave move. It's a really brave move, and this is a major public figure in in Russia. I mean, I said this is a captain for the national team, played for them for, um, for, for for ten odd years. I think he's really, you know, I, I I don't know of too many other public figures, certainly from sports. Certainly, you know, if you're a hockey fan, if you want to see Ovechkin criticize the invasion of Ukraine, you'll be holding your breath for a long time. Um, I think I think it's brave of him to come out yeah, and speak. Great. I don't know. I don't know how much attention he's going to get in Russia because, you know, sometimes opposing voices sometimes seem to get suppressed over there. <laughs> yes, completely. Bochafogo invaded the training, uh, fans invaded the training ground and threatened players as uh, O Glorioso facing relegation. Yeah. Jules, it's stuff like this that makes me think that there's more <laughs> pressure in some countries than others. Completely, yeah. This is the kind of scenes that, <clears throat> and they, this look quite, they look quite violent. It not quite me. sporting, not to that level. They didn't get no, beaten up, but... No. It's pretty but, nasty. Yeah, similar to what we saw in Marseille only a year and well, a half right, ago, yeah. where they stormed the training ground and broke pretty much everything in it. It's the kind of scenes that we are more used to in, in Italy or in France, not so much in England, for example, where instead you go to, you know, Edward Wood's house uh, and you just like threaten him that way. But this is crazy. This is the passion of ultras as well. I think you take the good and sometimes you have to deal with the bad as well. We, you know, we don't agree with that kind of violence, of course, but the, the situation is really tricky, really, really tricky for them. There's so much pressure in, in these situations. And, you know, people always talk about, well, in the Premier League, the pressure, like, you know what? Like, we both talk to a lot of Premier League players yeah. all the time. And obviously there's the pressure you put on yourself and whatever. But nobody, this is another, very, yeah. nobody in the Premier League is the pressure of, like, my safety at work and my family, you know, 
Different situation. Yeah, completely. Ben Foster has left Watford on bad terms. Gab, and it's over his YouTube activity. Yes, Scott Duxbury, the Watford chief executive, came out with a letter. I, I thought it was really interesting. He also had to go at Roy Hodgson because on the last day of the season against Crystal Palace or, or whatever Watford got yeah, relegated. Yeah, was... He says that, you know, he went and he, like, you know, waved goodbye Crystal Palace fans because they're obviously he's got a strong tie to the he club. He had a big smile on his but face. To Watford. Yeah, I don't know. But Ben Foster is interesting because when during lockdown, Ben Foster decided to start his YouTube channel. And like, I don't know if, you, if you've ever met the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. He's one of those ex-pros who's personable, who speaks, who speaks well. He's entertaining. He's intelligent. You know, I went on holidays with him, so we, you know, he's a good guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you and Ben yeah. Foster went to Mallorca together. Yeah, yeah. Not Mallorca, but somewhere else. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, so then you know that he's into his YouTube, yeah. and he started. Well. Uh, it's called the was it the cycling goalkeeper, yeah. right? And the issue that Walford took issue with was he started. He got so into YouTube that he was, you know, filming at the training round wearing a body cam during matches yeah. and stuff. Microphone during matches, yeah. Yeah, which kind of overstayed. They asked Tilda to stop doing it, and he just continued. Much as I like Ben Foster, I love creativity. Yeah. I can totally see Watford's position. Under contract, yeah. You're under contract. Yeah. They're, saying, they're, they're, they're saying, though, because at the same time, they also said, like, well, we're going to put more restrictions in all the new contracts we signed, which makes you think that it might have been a gray area whether he was allowed to do it or not. Yeah, yeah. But... Like, and I think ultimately, and maybe I'm being cynical here, but I think clubs saying like, oh, well, if he can do it and monetize it, so can we. <laughs> Jules, how excited were you to turn up? In fact, <laughs> the show turns up on Manchester City's official Erling Holland re uh, signing reaction video. It was awesome, Gab, to be fair. A lot of the, uh, the people who follow us on social media spotted it as well. And it wasn't just us, to It be wasn't fair. just us. There's a lot of people. It's how the world reacted to the news. So there's a lot of uh, shows and all around the world and languages where, where the video shows all of that. And then there's us. It's quite brief, yeah. to be fair. But still, we, it's better to be in than, than not in. Exactly. Like Jan Agafjortov, who's not in there. Exactly. Probably because, you know, Erling Haaland, they want to make, make him feel bad. Exactly. And as, as City mentioned to me when I, when I said thank you for having the Gab and Jules show there, I said, only the best for us. <laughs> so go. thank you, Man City. When Marco van Basten speaks, Gab, people listen and we listen. And he says in the new book that is coming out this week that he wouldn't put Messi or Cristiano in his top three. And he says Cristiano is a great player, but those who say he's better than Messi know nothing about football or they are saying it in bad faith. This is a bit harsh, no? I, I am a mere mortal. I cannot criticize Marco van Basten. No, no Although, to be fair... If we want to go there, Marco van Basten as a player is one thing. Marco van Basten as a coach and perhaps an assessor of talent is another one. I'm not surprised with the top three. It's, a, it's, it's an age thing, right? Yes, um, you know, yeah. You're going to put Pelé, Maradona in there, and then, and then Dutch is right? going to put Cruyff, right? Yeah, of Fine. Um, I don't know that you need to go to the point, be so definitive. You, know, you could just say, oh, they're different, but I prefer Messi. You know, this seems to me like bulletin board material for, for Cristiano. But, you know, and the, the, the book has some interesting snippets. Really? Uh, really it. one. I mean, he talks a lot. He said that it's Andrea Gassi's book that inspired him to do the same and talk a lot about his, you know, private life almost. He tells the story when he lost his best friend at seven, when they were, he drowned on a, on a ice lake uh, because he, he fell through. He talked about the, the injuries, of course, the ankle and the treatment that he received that was hell. And he also talks about his experience at Milan. Of course, and especially the, the sort of culture clash or shock when he moved in there and remembering him and Ruth Gullit arriving at training ground at Milanello, not really be on par with Italian players who were so 
dapper and nice shoes and belt and shirt and socks all matching where they didn't they have there. wash bags they were carrying their gear like their plastic bags, in a plastic said. bag he like, said we look like tramps like vagrants but he Come also on. said that he's, for the first time in his life he saw players uh drying their hair after training which they clearly didn't do in the netherlands back then but yeah. a lot of every every time players said took the hair dryer out Come on, man! Every Italian mother makes sure that if you if you go out, if you play sports, if you sweat, <laughs> you don't go outside with wet hair. It's just common sense. That's how you get sick. Anyway, Joel, this brings us to an end. We're gonna be back on Monday because the transfer market is getting a full yes. swing. There's a ton of stuff going on, ton of stuff to talk about. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself.